congregation, the text for this afternoon's sermon is found then in the passage we read from, and our focus will be on chapter 10, the first 10 verses. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song, singing together from Psalm 98, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, we know how it is when we hit the road for a trip. We hope that GPS or Google Maps is working. If not, we may as yet have to check an old-fashioned road map. But whatever the way, we want clear directions. Nothing is more frustrating than taking the wrong turn off a highway and getting lost, not knowing at all what direction we need to be going in. You can see why people suffer from frustration, even road rage at times. Well, in our text of this afternoon, the people of Israel are about to head out on a you could say a road trip. They're about to head out from Mount Sinai in the wilderness towards the promised land, the land of Canaan. And as we will see, God gave them two clarions. He gave them two clarions to give them direction. Yes, besides the cloud of his presence, God used clarions. Now, you're probably wondering, what are you talking about, clarions? What is a clarion? Now, when we hear the word clarion, most likely think of the Canadian Reform magazine, the church magazine that we're all encouraged to read. This magazine has many good articles in it. It gives direction from God's Word for holy living. It's also a magazine that your pastor and teacher is editor of, so another reason why you should be reading it. But the clarion I wish to draw your attention to, your immediate attention to, is different, but it is related to this. When you get back home this afternoon from church, you look very closely at the back cover of this magazine. When you look at the back, you'll see a silhouette. And on there you will see two men blowing clarions. That's why the magazine was called Clarion. It was based on this passage in Holy Scripture, Numbers 10, verse 1 through 10. And as we just read, these two men were priests called by God to blow on trumpets otherwise known as clarions. A clarion is a kind of trumpet. That word clarion, it comes from the Latin word for clear. What God required with a clarion is that clear sounds would come from them. Yes, these trumpets, these clarions. With these, God gave clear calls, clear direction to his people. 
And they were not only to be used in, when Israel was making its way through the wilderness, but also when they would settle in the promised land, when they would engage in worship, and when they engage in warfare. And it's with these trumpets, with these clarions, that the loud and clear sounds of God's voice, of God's word, was to be heard among the people of God. And that same word also needs to resound back to God, and it needs to resound forth from us. Yes, we too need to call out to him with clear and loud sounds. And we do that, say, when we pray to him, as we sing our songs of praise, as we just have done, also later as we confess our faith in him, but also in how we live our daily lives. And so let's hear God's word this afternoon summarized in this way. With trumpets, God has his word sound forth and resound. And we shall see that the sound for the trumpets are a call from God, and they're also a call to God. Now, as we just read, the people of Israel were about to leave Mount Sinai and travel through the wilderness towards the promised land. And what we have here in this passage, as you could say, is the last-minute instructions before they headed out on this trip. And thankfully, God would lead his people. And how would he lead them? How would he give them direction? Well, as we're told there in chapter 9, he traveled with them in the pillar of cloud. And so when they were encamped, the cloud of his presence was above the tabernacle. All could see it. And whenever it was time to get up and travel further along towards the promised land, the, the cloud of his presence lifted up from the tent, and then the people of Israel knew, now it's time to get going again. And whenever that cloud of his presence settled over the tabernacle, then they knew, yes, now it's time to stop. It's time to encamp. And so with their eyes, they could follow the lead of the cloud of God's presence. But this was not the only way that God would lead his people, give guidance and direction to his people there in the wilderness. They also needed to use their ears. They were also to hear the call of the silver trumpets, the clarions of God. Now when God's people entered into the promised land, the cloud of his presence would come to permanent rest in one place, and then those silver trumpets were still to be in use. As we will see that the trumpets were even more helpful in calling and then directing God's people in the way of salvation, in the way of how they needed to worship, and also in the way they engaged in warfare. And so you see, Israel was guided by the cloud of God in the wilderness but a more precise means of direction was necessary at times, and especially in the face of danger and face of attack. And in this way, then, you can see that the silver trumpets complemented and completed God's guidance as given by that cloud. And it is these silver trumpets that provided the detail, you could say, of how Israelites were to concretely follow God's call, God's lead. And so we begin our text then with God giving this command to Moses to make two trumpets of 
hammered silver. And back in that time, only two were made. Eventually, more silver trumpets would be made. In the time of King David, 120 of these silver trumpets were made to be used in that great orchestra which led the singing of the praises to God there in the temple of Solomon. You might be wondering, what did these trumpets look like? What did these two silver trumpets in, in Moses' time look like? We don't know for complete certainty what they looked like, but according to Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, he lived in about the time of Jesus, each of these trumpets were about a cubit's length, and that's about 18 to 20 inches in length. These silver trumpets were shaped as a narrow tube, a little thicker than a, a flute, and then had a wide, a bell-shaped ending. Very simple instrument, very much like today's trumpets, but they were trumpets without the valves. Today, if you know something about trumpets, they have three valves. Remember that, yeah? Now, let's be clear. Then, back in Moses' time, there were two different kinds of trumpets in use among God's people. We have the silver trumpet mentioned here in our text, but there was also another trumpet. It was called the ram's horn. When you look in our English Bibles, the, these ram's horns were often referred to as, as trumpets. So there were two different kinds. You had the silver one and you had the ram's horn. And what's the difference? Well, you have the silver trumpets, which God commanded Moses to make. They were to be holy trumpets, meaning that only the priests were to use those trumpets. And that's what we read later on in our text in verse 8. And then there was the ram's horn, instrument also used by the priests. For example, when Jericho was being conquered, it was the priest who blew on ram's horns. But we also know that ram's horns were not just used by the priests. They were used by others in Israel. They were used by the military leaders among God's people. And then think of the likes of Ehud and Gideon and Saul and Joab. They used these ram's horns as well. And then we should also note from Scripture that these two different instruments, the silver trumpet and the ram's horn, were used together at times. And that's evident from what we'll sing afterwards in Psalm 98. There it says, Make music to the Lord with the harp and with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets, and then that's referring to silver trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. And you read something similar in, in Hosea chapter 5, verse 8. There too, these two instruments are mentioned together. And there it says, yes, the prophet of God proclaimed, yes, sound the trumpet, the silver trumpet in Gibeah, the ram's horn in Ramah. Now you're probably wondering, well, what kind of sounds came out of these, these instruments, these musical instruments? Well, the sound of the ram's horn was a muffled but alarming sound. The sound of the silver trumpet was strong. It was clear. You could say it was even piercing. Yes, the, the silver trumpet had clearer and sharper sounds or notes than the muffling roar of the ram's horn. But neither of these instruments would be able to play, say, more than four notes on the musical scale. 
As I said earlier, there were no valves on this silver trumpet and obviously no valves on the, on the horn. Now the priests were trained. They were trained to make the sounds on that silver trumpet, different sounds with different purposes. And all these sounds from the silver trumpets then were to be heard among God's covenant people. It's the sound of the silver trumpets. God would call out to his entire congregation, to the covenant people of Israel. And we need to remember that this was an immense crowd that was traveling there through the wilderness. You can know from Numbers chapter 1, there was over just 600,000 fighting men in Israel. And if you factor out from that, the number of women and children, we're looking at probably around 3 million people gathered there in the wilderness. And you can see why they needed these silver trumpets to be so loud and clear. Everyone had to hear the call of these trumpets and hear it across the entire camp. And yes, it is with these trumpets that then the Lord God calls out to his people and this way he gathers them for worship, he leads them in war, he guides them along the way of salvation, on the way to the promised land of rest, and later in the promised land itself. And so yes, different sounds coming out of these trumpets, and each sound serving a different purpose. As we read in our text, when, when both trumpets were sounded, the whole community was to assemble before Moses there at the entrance to the tent of meeting. It was, you could say, the call to worship. And that's what we read elsewhere in Scripture. When God sounds through the priests both trumpets, they were all to gather. And Prophet Joel speaks about this. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call the assembly, gather the people Consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breasts. Very clear. Everyone called together there into the presence of God to worship him. And then as we read next in our text, when only one trumpet was sounded, then only the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel, were to assemble there before Moses. You could say with the sound of one trumpet calling, it was God calling them to a consistory or a council meeting right in his presence. So there are already two clear, distinct sounds for gathering. There were other sounds coming from these silver trumpets. There was also sounds, distinct sounds of alarm. They were the sounds to be made on this trumpet calling God's people to break up camp in order to head towards the promised land. And the first alarm was sounded from the trumpet. That was the call to the east side of the camp of Israel to set out. Which tribes were on the east side? Well, that was the tribe of Judah as well as the tribe of Issachar and Zebulun. Remember Judah? Judah was a lead tribe. This was the tribe that would lead God's people into the promised land. So a distinct sound came out on the trumpet for the tribe of Judah from which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes. And in that way they were laying then, being led into the way of salvation, into the way leading to the promised land of rest. 
Judah would lead. When the trumpet was blown in alarm a second time, we're told here, then the camps on the south side would set out. And what tribes were on the south side, and we see no from, from the first part of Numbers, that would be the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Simeon. And these tribes then would follow behind the lead tribes, and behind them would follow the other tribes, all the other six tribes. And together as a congregation, they would go forward on the way of salvation, on the way to the promised land. And so you can see two silver trumpets blown, differing sounds, differing signals, differing purposes, and there were other sounds for other purposes. They're mentioned a little further on in our text. We'll deal with them later. But let this be said for now. There was variation. There was one trumpet call, two trumpet call, short blasts, long blasts, two blasts, one blast, you name it. It was all there. And what we need to understand from all these sounds of these silver trumpets, it points to the clear call of God, the voice of God. With these sounds, God was speaking to his people. What we have here, you could say, is the clear call of God's word. These two are connected to each other. You see that already in Exodus 19. There the Lord's voice heard at Mount Sinai is associated with the sound of, of a loud trumpet. And that comes out also again in the New Testament. You look at the book of Revelation. You go to chapter 1, and there you have the Apostle John who wrote, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. This loud voice like a trumpet was the voice of none other than the Lord. The Lord was speaking through the trumpet call. He was speaking, he was speaking here with great clarity, with great power, with great authority. And so we can say also here in, in this congregation, we have a trumpet player. Reverend Hopefleur is your trumpet player. And he's not up here playing a silver trumpet. Maybe it's a good thing he isn't. But he is the trumpet call of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that the type that we have there in the Old Testament is, is complete. It's fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the truth and the substance of the Lord's trumpet calling out to us remains. And as pastors, yes, we're, we are to clearly sound forth to you, yes, the, the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ and that clear call to repent and believe and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, yes, God clearly calls us. He calls us through his word to gather together in worship, and that's what we're doing also here this afternoon. We need to hear that clarion call of our Lord. You need to come. He calls us every Lord's Day to meet with him, to meet with each other. He calls us here in the morning. He calls us here in the afternoon. And we shouldn't tire of coming into his glorious and holy presence for we need his help. We need the working of Jesus Christ within us, the working of his grace and Holy Spirit in our hearts. We need it every week again. Otherwise, you know what happens if we don't heed that call? We become spiritually weak. We become feeble. We become stragglers. We lose our sense of spiritual direction in the wilderness of this world in which we're all walking together. 
For yes, it is in the preaching of his word, his word of grace, his word of truth, that Jesus Christ clearly sounds the call of the gospel, the call to each and every one of us, the call to salvation in him. Is he who leads, he calls out, he says, follow me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rests. Yes, he calls us to repent and believe in him, to turn away from our sins and turn towards the only living God. Yes, as God said by the great preacher Isaiah, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day to day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways. And is that the case with us? We hear that call. We want to know the way of the Lord, the way of salvation in Jesus Christ. Yes, he calls us here, yes, to know our rebellion, our sin, and then calls us to turn to Jesus Christ, to seek forgiveness in him alone, and then to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Follow him along the way of salvation. Follow him along the way to eternal life on the way to the spiritual land of Canaan. And in this way, yes, the preaching of God's word, the hearing of God's voice gives us clear direction. And let us go this way then together. Let, let no one be left behind. Let no one think they can go on their own and become stragglers. And so in that sense, let there be no strange sounds about salvation be heard off this pulpit here or for that matter, in the catechism classes, or in our homes, and on what we read and, and what we study. There should be no strange sounds that confuse us as God's people. This is what happens in, in times of deformation. In such times, you don't hear that clear call to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. That call, it becomes garbled, it becomes non-existent. Now, as we read earlier, it is the Lord God who called the priests to blow on these silver trumpets on these clarions. And this is not the only work that the priests were called to do there before the presence of God. As we also know from, from this book in the Bible, they were also called to carry out the ministry of reconciliation right in there in front of the tabernacle. They were the ones who had to bring the atoning sacrifices for the sins of people. And in this day, they want to help us to, the people of God, yes, to experience peace. It is only in this way that our most holy God can live among a sinful people. And it's only in this way that he may lead them in the wilderness. And it's the basis then of that atoning work that the priest did that God would call out to his people on the trumpet call out on them to believe, to follow him in the way of peace, in the way of salvation. And he calls out to us too through our better high priest, Jesus Christ, does he not? It all rests upon Jesus Christ on his atoning sacrifice for our sins. Thanks to that sacrifice, we have peace, we have reconciliation with God, we are reconnected with God, we're one with him. And in this way, we are righteous before him. And he calls us, yes, to entrust ourselves to him. It's in him we are to live. In him we are to give ourselves. We are to give back of ourselves. We are to echo forth his word. 
We do this here in our worship service. We do that when we sing. We do that when we pray. We do that when we give our gifts of thankfulness as we live out our daily lives. And so, yes, the sound of the trumpet is also, you can say, a call to God. For realize the priests also use those silver trumpets on behalf of God's people. And that's why there were other distinct calls to be made on these silver trumpets. And you see that in the last two verses of our text. As God said there to Moses, when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and that you will be saved from all your enemies. And he would sound those silver trumpets as an alarm in times of war. And then in this way, the trumpets would be heard loud and clear across the land. And in this way, there was a call to arms. It was a call to get out there and fight against their enemies. But at the same time, it was the people's call to the Lord God. It was a call to him to be remembered by the Lord their God, to be assured of his gracious power and promise and presence. In this situation, the sound of the trumpet was a call for, for God's help. It was a call, a prayer to him, yes, to save them. Save us, O Lord. Arise, O Lord, and save us. Save us from our enemies. And the Lord God, he's able. He is almighty. He is true to his promise. He does save. He saves his people from the enemies who surround them, who threaten them. And that's actually what happened as you go on in this book, in the book of Numbers and the Israelites were on their way towards the promised land. They came up against their enemies. They came up against the Midianites. You can read about that in Numbers 31. And then what does Moses say there to the people of Israel? He says, arm some of your men to go up to fight against the Midianites, to carry out the Lord's vengeance on them. And then again, in specific instructions, set into battle a thousand men from each of the tribes of Israel. And they were sent with this Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, who took with him, among other things, yes, trumpets. Trumpets for signaling, for alarm. These trumpets were to be sounded. In this way, God's people in that situation were calling out to God in prayer. They were calling out to him, Arise, O Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. This God had promised to save his people, to protect his people, to watch over them, keep them safe from all their enemies. And we too can do the same, can we not? We can call out to the Lord our God in prayer, call out to him to remember the promises that he has given to us. When we pray, we openly confess our, our dependence upon God. And in that way, our prayers to him need to be shaped by, by God's words. In that way, we, we resound God's word to him. Yes, we resound his word as we pray to him, as we come before him into his presence. Yes, when we come to him in prayer, then we, what do we pray? What shapes our prayer? Then we need to indeed go to his word, to the voice of God, and when you do that, then you 
have much to pray about because when you go to the Word, you get to see who God is. You get to hear about who He is and all His attributes and all His characteristics. You hear about His love and His mercy and His righteousness and holiness and grace and so forth. And it's also from the Word that we know of what He has done and continues to do. It's from His Word that we know of His great works, His work of creation, redemption, and renewal. And all these things, yes, that we know from his word, they shape our prayers to him. In this way, the Spirit shapes our prayers and we echo forth, yes, the word of God. Yes, we pray to him, yes, as we said earlier, to save us from our enemies. You read it earlier on in this book, yes, rise up and pour out your wrath, O God, for the same call comes not just here in the book of Numbers, but also comes in the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And you look up Revelation 8, and you can see seven angels who stood there before God. And to them were given, as he says, there seven trumpets. And each of those trumpets sounded, each of those angels sounded God's trumpets. And what did they announce? They announced the judgment of God on this earth. And it's made especially clear when it comes to the seventh trumpet that's mentioned in Revelation 11. And that with that seventh, you get to actually the sounding forth of a victory. That's what you hear, a victory celebration. There you hear, yes, that a crucial battle against the enemy is won. And that Jesus Christ has gone on high with a joyful cry as it was joyfully sung there, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's what we sang in Psalm 47. Yes, the trumpet sounded on that occasion. You read that there in Revelation 11. With Christ's ascension into heaven, we know he has obtained the great victory. And there he is ruling from on high, as I speak, he's right up there at the Father's right hand, ruling over all things. And he's going to come back. He's going to come back one day. But as we await his return, he is the one who, who strengthens us, who upholds us by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that as we are engaged in spiritual warfare, and we are in the midst of warfare, are we not, that we do not go down to defeat It's through Jesus Christ that we remain in the salvation that he has obtained for us. And in this way, we can resist our enemies. And so you see, yes, these trumpets, they sound on very blessed occasions. And that's what's pointed out at the very end of our text. Those silver trumpets there in Numbers were also sounded out for joyful occasions. As God said there to Moses, at the times of your rejoicing, your appointed feasts, your new moon festivals, you are to sound those trumpets. You're going to sound them over your burnt offerings, over your fellowship offerings, and they are going to be a reminder of you before the Lord. What God was basically saying here, whenever you are celebrating your great feasts in in the promised land or along the way to the promised land, you need to sound those trumpets. Those very important moments of remembrance, 
you need to be sounding those trumpets. And as you are enjoying those moments of remembrance, you are to be offering your sacrifices to God. And as you offer, then you're offering also this the sound of the trumpet up to the Lord. That's what happened, and you can read about that in, in the days of King Hezekiah. Here it says, as the burnt offering began to be offered up, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the singers sang and the trumpeters played. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was complete. It's in the words of Psalm 98, which we'll sing shortly. They would shout for joy there before the Lord. They made music to the Lord, then used trumpets to do this. They're singing, along with these instruments sounding. They were calling out to God. They were praising God. They were offering abundant praise and thanks to Him. And in this way, they were resounding God's Word. They were echoing God's Word, sending it back to Him. And they did that with what they sang. And this is what we're called to do in our Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing, what are we singing? We're singing the Word of God. We're resounding the Word of God. When we confess our faith, which we'll do shortly, we are, yes, resounding the Word of God. And what do we sing about when we confess our faith? We, we speak of what the Word says. We speak of His great works. We sing of Jesus' birth and his death and resurrection, his ascension, the outpouring of his spirit that's coming in final judgment. Yes, we sing of the great deeds of our God. We sing of his great love for us. We, in this way, resound by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the gospel, the message of the gospel, the hope that we have. And so when we sing here, we don't merely mouth the words, but we are fully engaged, calling out to God, echoing, yes, his word towards him, thanking him for what the word tells us of his great and gracious deeds in Jesus Christ. Yes, that's what needs to come forth. And so we may powerfully and enthusiastically, yes, sing of his suffering, his death and resurrection, ascension, enthronement and his final return and judgment. For, beloved, when we come to the end of time, there will be a trumpet sounding again. That's what Isaiah prophesied. A great trumpet will be blown to gather God's people to worship the Lord on the holy mountain there in Jerusalem. Yes, the trumpet will signal the great feast of ingathering. That's the last feast that needs to be celebrated. That's when all the harvest is finally brought in. And at that final gathering from this earth into heaven, the trumpet will sound. That's what Matthew writes about in his gospel. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory, and he will send his angels with the loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And then the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. 
and those whose body sown as seed into ground will rise to life. And then the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive still will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord there in the air. And then as the Apostle Paul writes, at that point we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For then indeed the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Then the victory of Jesus Christ will be complete. Then our last enemy that we're fighting against, the enemy of death, will be completely defeated, completely destroyed. Death will be completely swallowed up. Yes, when the trumpet sounds on the last day, you could say, we will break camp here on earth, gathered into that great assembly before the Lord Jesus. Yes, we'll follow him into that great day, and he'll lead us into the heavenly homeland, and then we'll celebrate full salvation in his holy presence forever. Amen.